Hey you, you look familiar. Today we have an interview with a special guest. You may have seen his funny short clips, video and TikTok or Instagram. You might have seen him in commercials such as PayPal. Also music videos such as Olivia Rodrigo's Good For You, No Big Deal, and Todrick Hall's running, Raining Fellas, Sorry Barbie. Please welcome a social media influencer, actor, model, and entrepreneur, Brian Libson. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, let's start with your name and pronouns and what do you do for a living? Sure. Well, my <laughs> name is Brian Shimasaki Leibson, and my pronouns are he, him, his. And what do I do for a living? That is such a good question. I, I, I would say I'm an actor. I just finished the national tour of Hamilton, the Anne Peggy Company. We just closed in Toronto on August 20th. And I've been an actor for a while. I've done a couple national tours, but I am a man of many trades. I have a degree in robotic engineering and I've done that a little bit. Uh, as you said in your introduction, I've done a couple of music videos and things like that. And I've also started a swimmer line during the pandemic, but I would say my main profession is an actor. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was just a handful. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I think he just ended our interview. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as you said, like you were starting at robotics, right? And how did you discover your love for theater? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I got into theater because I used to dance, like at a dance studio when I was young. Mm -hmm. I have two brothers. I have a fraternal twin brother um, mm -hmm. and an older brother. And my twin and I saw a video of Riverdance and he really wanted to do that. So mm -hmm. we took tap, he took tap classes, which that's what we thought it was. It's actually Iris step dancing. Mm -hmm. But that got us involved in a dance studio. I wanted to take hip hop. We stayed with this dance studio for a while. And one of the dance teachers, Julia Murkovich, started a youth theater company in Los Angeles called Putting On Productions, uh, which is still around. And so I started doing theater growing up in high school mm. and middle school to high school. And then when I went to college, well, I was at the point where I was trying to decide where to go to college. And I always done theater for fun. Um, but I really was passionate about math and engineering and sciences and things like that. So it was a very easy choice for me that I was always going to go to college for that and get a degree in something that I needed a degree in because you don't need a degree to do theater necessarily. Yeah. It wasn't like a side hobby of yours. It was, a, it was a fun extracurricular activity. Exactly. Oh. Mm -hmm. I like to say I was always... I, I'm to this day, I'm a fan of theater before a participant or practitioner in it. I just, I love musical theater. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, like it uh, switching from robotics, entering to this to unknown world of entertainment was, it must be really challenging. Did it come with doubts as well? It, it was kind of two parts. At the very start, um, I had gone to school for engineering and I did the theater club, you know, my small school and um, I was not even the best singer in my family. My brother got better roles than I did. But um, in school, you know, I love to do theater. And so I would do the theater club at my school and at the neighboring schools. And I did pretty well. I got pretty good parts and things. And so I had always danced. And at the time while I was in college, 
I got scouted to be uh, to audition for Newsies, which was on Broadway at the time, which was like fierce mm-hmm. male dancing. It was the right age and everything. Mm-hmm. I could tumble. And so I kept getting called in for it and I never um, got the role. But I was like, well, um, I keep getting called in for it. I could probably book something. So I spent my spring break, my senior year, I went to New York and I auditioned for everything. And I was blindly confident because all I had done was this, like engineering club and theater growing mm-hmm. up or whatever. And I think whereas a lot of people go to theater schools and, you know, conservatory programs and stuff, they, it's very competitive and they get beat down and they become, it's like the more you know about something, mm-hmm. the more you realize where you place in it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm the biggest fish in this small pond. Like I'm fierce. I'm talented. I'm great. Newsies mm-hmm. is scouting for me. Like, I'm, of course, going to book something. And mm-hmm. I think that confidence um, and comfortability and lack of awareness that I should be more concerned is what booked me for the Cinderella National Tour right out of school. So mm-hmm. I had a job offer lined up for the software company, Athena Health, which I had interned out the year before as a project manager, that I had accepted the offer. And then I got the Cinderella National Tour offer. And mm-hmm. I went out to them and I was like, I ha- while my body can do this, like I have to do this. And they were like, that is totally fine. That's mm-hmm. amazing. If, you know, we have an open job offer for you whenever you want to come back to us. And I've luckily been able to work since. So I was blindly confident, but I would say that like, once I was in that world, like in the show, um, and then moving to New York after that, there was a big learning curve. There were a lot of doubts. It was clear that like, there was all this, it's kind of like going to like a like a yacht club for the first time if you've never been mm-hmm. to one. It's like, oh, everyone knows how to behave. I don't I don't know how to behave. There's all these rules and systems and like, you know, social cues that like I really didn't understand. And so that took a right. while to um, Yeah, because like you're just new and you're just this is something new. Exactly. And like mm-hmm. I, you know, I had all the good intentions and everything, mm-hmm. but you know, there are nuances to how to behave in things. So mm-hmm. then the doubt did set in until I could make better connections and make better friends and uh, get better relationships with people that could see me and understand me and know my background, which you know could help alleviate some of the learning troubles. With that, like experiences you just discussed, was there like a moment you forgot like lines in the stage or were there like a like moment? <laughs> You know, that's so funny because that does happen to people. But mm-hmm. no, I can say 100%. There's not a single time I ever forgot anything mm-hmm. doing that role because I was so excited to do it. And I, yeah. my, was, I mean, my role was the hardest in the show. I think some people might get mad that I say that, but like <laughs> I was in the ensemble. I was the fox or technically it's the footman, but I was the fox in it. So I had all these tumbling features Mm-hmm. And between the two tumblers, I just kind of did a little more and it was just nonstop. But I was like, I felt such a need to prove myself, given mm-hmm. my background, that I was adamant about doing a really good job. Even if I couldn't do it socially backstage, I was adamant about like having my performance really stand for itself. And I think it did. And I, yeah, I never forgot a line. I never forgot a dance <laughs> move. I did slide tackle my friend Delphi Borch one time 
uh, on accident. It was, you know, a very confusing pattern where people are going like this. And I don't want to say it's her fault, but I <laughs> <laughs> happened. Do you ever have to, like, I mean, since so you said, like, you don't recall. You know, like, missing uh, the lyrics or the line. Have you ever have to step in or up for other people role? Just oh, because they might mess up or something. Yeah. Well, in Cinderella, I was on stage ensemble. So in theory, I would do kind of the same stuff all the time. But there were moments that, like due to various things, may, like maybe the theater would be smaller. So there wouldn't be space for all six couples to be in the big ball sequence. So maybe before, so then my couple, because it was a main front couple would have to like kind of modify things. But in the, in my career since then, I have been a swing, which is like an understudy for the entire ensemble. Mm -hmm. So I am the understudy for like in Miss Saigon, I swung um, 26 roles. And then wow. I did Seven Brothers for Seven Brothers of Beanie and I swung uh, Seven Suitors and Understudy three roles. And then I just swung Hamilton, which was six roles. And so mm -hmm. as a swing, I always feel like that's my job, actually, that like every time you perform, you're stepping up to save the show and whatever. And that is a job. And it is like incredibly difficult. I think it's a huge ask on anyone to do that. And it's very thankless and, you know, everything. And so I really love being a swing because I like to feel valued in that way that mm -hmm. when I perform, I am there to save the show. Like, I'm really trying to, you know, save it rather than I feel like sometimes when you're on stage in every show, even though you are saving the show by doing it every day, it's like if you call out one time, it's like, that's your job. You shouldn't be calling out whatever, whatever. Whereas if you're a swing, it's like the one time you go on stage, it's like, you're saving the day, everything. So <laughs> it's interesting. It's like a really like a teamwork thing. Like, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. it really is like a big group project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, is there like a time where you messed up and, and where, how did you recover from it? You know, like, like if ever, like such as like blocking. I'm trying to think if, on stage, I, I really rarely me mess things up on stage, <laughs> but there He's were a saver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are times in um, Miss Saigon, we had so many people. We had 26 mm -hmm. people on stage, and we had three male swings and two female swings. Whereas mm -hmm. in Saigon, like, we had 20 people on stage, and we had, like, 18 people off stage to cover all of it. So uh, what happens is if there are more... In Hamilton, we have six male ensemble members. If all six of them call out, we need to make sure that we can perform at least five of them. There's like the six role can be cut. We call it a cut track when mm -hmm. you have to cut one of the tracks on the show. But there's mm -hmm. only one. Um, in And there are like modifications that everyone has to do to compensate for it. In mm -hmm. Miss Megan, there were shows where 15 people would be out and there are five of us to cover all the slots. Mm -hmm. So I would be running back and forth, like taking this prop, throwing it over here, like all sorts of random stuff. Wow. Times like that, like, of course, little things would go wrong. Mm -hmm. But 
I really don't think I messed up anything on stage. Like I uh-huh. treat my performance to the audience as such a precious gift mm-hmm. um, that I, I'm really consistent in it. I'm really good at remembering exactly what I was taught in rehearsal from the director choreographer mm-hmm. and, uh, doing that. Now there are times I've messed up off stage with social things and whatever. And like anytime, and I can say confidently, and I've had a number of issues with people um, where we've had to rectify and everything. And mm-hmm. that I've had an issue with someone, I've, I know that sometimes I draw issues with people. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's with me, I don't know yeah. if they're projecting or whatever, or maybe yeah. it's my own ignorance. Like I know I get issues with people sometimes and I'm, because I know that I'm the first one to apologize to try to make it right. I say, I will do anything. I just need to explain like, I'm sorry. And I believe you. Like I, I'm always willing to mm-hmm. learn face. And I think I always tell people that's a superpower that not a lot of people yeah. have, is to be able to listen to new information mm-hmm. or at least different information than what you have. Mm-hmm. Think about it for a moment and then decide to change or not change based on that new information. Mm-hmm. You know, Brian, like in the entertainment industry nowadays, like with you, with you and, and when you're starting and stuff, like what's your advice to other people out there just like entering the entertainment industry? And because like they might like, like the character, they might like the person and they may not like the person. <laughs> and what are your things to do like when you encounter some like non-pleasant, un- very unpleasant comments and stuff? Yeah. That's interesting because now I'm of the I'm used to being the youngest person in the show. Um, so, so talented and so young. <laughs> now I'm seeing people younger than me who I'm in shows with who are making the same mistakes that I did. And I am mm. wondering if there's an obligation that I have to kind of go explain it to those people. Like I wish mm-hmm. someone had explained to me, but mm. at the same time, I think it's up to everyone. You can't teach anyone anything. In my opinion, I think. True. Those people have to be willing and wanting to learn and maybe mm-hmm. asking for advice. And so, yes. my advice to people entering is that success comes to those who keep going eventually. If they say to be a master in anything, you have to spend 10,000 hours doing it. I don't know. Actually, I kind of assume I probably have because I'm obsessed with theaters my whole life. I'm sure I've spent 10,000 hours like obsessing over it. I've been in shows that are horrible, that the entire cast was awful. They said I was wrong. I was like, everything I did was wrong. The casting team said I was wrong. The choreographer said I was the worst one, whatever. And then uh-huh. I'm in the show where everything is perfect. And they're like, yeah. you're perfect. You're the exact right thing. You have everything correctly. And so, you know. Use it as a motivation, I guess. Like the Nikki. Yeah. It's like, yes. Like, I'll do exactly what everyone does in the mirror. And, like, I'll do it behind the person. And they just, I don't know. It's whatever. Everyone has an opinion. Like an yes. asshole. Everyone has an asshole. Everyone has an opinion. <laughs> it doesn't make it like worthwhile and I think that it's hard because like coming into the industry you Mm -hmm. know that um your careers are built on relationships and you want to have a good relationship with everyone but you will not have a good relationship with everyone 
but that's mm-hmm. okay because you will work with those people again mm-hmm. and they won't hold it against you if you're willing to apologize and make it right. Like I've done shows with people that I did not have a good relationship with before. Mm-hmm. And years later, we, you know, have the meeting where we all meet each other and I'll walk right up to them and say, good to see you again. I'm excited to have a great project together great show together i'm Mm -hmm. just excited for it and that's it and i think that's just good to remember because Mm -hmm. you will get a lot of hate from a lot of people for Mm -hmm. valid but also invalid reasons and it's impossible to know if it's valid or not Mm -hmm. it's just more important to try to do your best yes I like how you're such a yeah. positive person as well. You know, I know that you're um, API, Asian Pacific Islander. How was it like be entering this entertainment? Like, was there like a group of people that you can like rely on and be like supportive on? And, you know, especially with this industry, it's like so big. <laughs> yeah. It was for me at the time I came in, it was harder than it is now. I think it gets better every year mm-hmm. um, but it was really hard what one of the things that's really hard for me is that like so interracial marriage wasn't legalized until like the 1970s mm. and so for me to a lot of people I'm just, I'm Asian um, my ethnic background is I'm half Japanese and half German Jewish mm-hmm. and because it's such a recent thing on Broadway, like people saw me as Asian, but I really, if I'm standing next to a bunch of Asian people, I don't look Asian. Like I went to the Mm -hmm. King and I auditions and I got typed out. I was asked to leave because I was not Asian enough to be in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, wow. But you know, to the white audience, I look Asian, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think what I got really jealous of was that a lot of other people um fall into types like you're a white singer and you're mature or you're you know young and innocent looking and or you're asian and oh you remind us of this actor you remind us of this actor you could follow this person there was no one like that for me there's no Mm -hmm. one that looked like me there's no one that had my skill set and i think that that's hard for casting directors to deal with Mm -hmm. too they don't know where to place me because they don't have that kind of rationality i'm completely unfamiliar and Mm -hmm. so i got a lot of success when um like i auditioned for cinderella they were casting it from complete scratch i didn't have Mm -hmm. to fit some costumes i didn't have to look like someone i it was just and i was perfect because i'm great at what i do and i didn't have to fit the role model of anyone else Mm -hmm. um i have gone through it Mm-hmm. all sorts of racism everywhere i did the miss saigon national tour i've dealt with all sorts of terrible racist management from within the company um, mm-hmm. from outside the company from audiences from asian people protesting the show that i'm in that's about asian people um mm-hmm. i've gotten my photo posted in you know facebook groups saying like this person's allowing this to happen like he's betraying mm-hmm. Um, I've been called Brian Shamalama Ding Dong in, wow. in a third callback for the same person. Mm-hmm. So nasty. I hope that other people don't have to go through that, but mm-hmm. I think that, I don't know, every experience like that has made me 
stronger and more passionate to prove those people wrong. Like I kind of yeah. think sometimes those kinds of things light a fire under you. And I'm hoping that that fire that I had has driven me to like talk back and give action in these ways such that the environment today that people are entering, mm -hmm. they don't necessarily have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But I also think that like the generation now is like so confident and capable of speaking up for themselves Mm -hmm. that had someone else been called Brian Chamberlain Ding Dong in an audition, they would have gone off at a person or whatever. At the moment, I was like, it's Shimasaki. And they said something, I was like, it's phonetic. And I, it was just, it was so unpleasant because it was in front of all these people. I was like, this yeah. is my audition for this mm -hmm. show right now. Like, that's so, it was so unpleasant. Yeah. Mm. That was too bad. But it's okay because then I booked Miss Saigon instead and I did that. If you have to compare, you know, like as an API casting back then when you started and compared to now, um, does it get easier? The people more understanding or, you know, because now too, like people trying to be diverse. So it's like, oh, you can be Asian mm -hmm. and fit into like a different role. Um, yes. Is that true? Yeah, I would say there's definitely more opportunities like and willingness to hire different looking people. Like mm -hmm. I think that uh, at the time that I started, if I took the same projects then and now, there are projects then that I knew not to audition for or the audition for was cut for, mm -hmm. that would probably be more successful in now. And also at that time, there's a lot of issues with um, the people you audition against. Because mm -hmm. if I beat out someone for the role, they minimize it to, well, he's Asian. That's why he's, you know, getting a callback. It's like, no, the fact that I got a callback and I'm Asian just mm -hmm. shows you, like, how much better than you I am. Like, because yeah. I have reason to not get it. And mm -hmm. so it was really nasty for a while. But I think that the whole, during COVID, there is, you know, all these... Um, political movements happening and I think just it brought a little more awareness to how people really felt about it but I do think that at the end of the day like in terms of theater and diversity you know there's a ton of white people there's really an increase in like great support of black people in theater but I think for Asian people and um, Latino and or Latinx, I, I don't know the variety of things, and um, Native Americans, there's really like a very, very small amount. Um, and so I think sometimes it gets kind of sidelined or forgotten about, but it definitely is way easier today than it was before. Mm -hmm. Was there like a group for actors or musicians, like an API that they can like go to and then like, you know, be part of that group? You know. Yeah, at the time, years ago, before mm -hmm. you did on, so this would have been 2016, 2018, um, there were a couple of Facebook groups that I was really a part of. There's one, um, mm. I think there's one called the Asian American Performance Alliance. I think there's a couple of union groups that are like um, Asian actors. And because it, it, it really isn't as active anymore because I guess Facebook isn't as big a deal. But I remember at the time, uh, there's kind of this trend that I still do um, mm -hmm. that's 
when you have the opening night of a show, you gather all the Asian people in the cast and take an Asian photo. And so you can see, you know, that there are Asian people in the cast and increase mm-hmm. visibility or raising awareness as like, oh, there's only two people in this photo. And actually what happened this year was that uh, uh, there's some holiday, I forgot what it was. Maybe it was the start of um, API month, but mm-hmm. I think uh, one of the Broadway people got photos from all the Broadway casts of all the Asian people in the company, like lighting and you know tech and company management, front of house and everything. And there were a number of shows that had a ton of Asian people. And then there were a couple of shows on Broadway that even with the crew and the orchestra and everything, they had like two to five people. And I think just, it's, I mean, I think that's sad, but it's like, no, it just raises awareness of like, this is the reality of it all. (laughs) And I liked the Facebook groups existing because we could discuss it and like, you could like it. And it was just nice to see older Broadway legends like Francis Jew or whatever in the group, like liking the photo with like, being made aware of it, but I haven't. Wow. Yeah, it, I mean, it was so so. Like, but I, I just think mm-hmm. that, like, recently, I haven't felt as big of a community. I mean, being mm-hmm. on the site was a community in itself. This Leia Salonga in that group too. <laughs> I, she is she never? Me, but I, I wonder if she is maybe. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm fun girling right now. Okay. <laughs> with all of these castings and stuff, how do you prepare with this casting? Do they give you like a script or, um, and with that, like, do you prepare, how do you prepare into that character? Yeah, it's really hard. Usually for a lot of auditions I go to, I will, you know, those, I, I get sent a lot of auditions now. I don't normally just like see the bulletin and like go mm-hmm. attend it. But usually you know very little information. Like you know everyone who wrote the show, the creative team, the director, choreographer, um, the producers, the composers, you can see like other music they wrote. And you can maybe look it up and what the story's about. But in the auditions, like they give you music that you've probably never heard before because no one's ever sang it because it's new. And they give you choreography you've never seen before. So it's honestly very difficult to prepare for any specific Mm -hmm. audition, I would say to book something, like you have to be in the right place at the right time and feeling, hopefully you're luckily feeling your best that day, but you have to have had the right preparation. Like you have to take dance class every day and you have to practice Mm -hmm. singing so that when you end up being lucky in the right place that you're able to deliver in the moment. Because Mm -hmm. what they really do is test you somewhat unnecessarily, but they, test you just to see, can you pick it up and can you deliver it? And I think that's the best method they have because when you have a hundred people who are all talented enough to do it, if they went through mm-hmm. the process, it's like, well, you have to eliminate down somehow. So mm-hmm. then you just test people to see how they can, I don't know, create their performance. And so something that I think I'm really good at to deliver an audition is mm-hmm. that I'm really good at performing the choreography a lot of people will be very blank faced or like looking at themselves in the mirror but i'm good at learning a dance move and then kind of 
going backward and being like, okay, well, why would I do this dance move? Like, what is mm-hmm. that story that I'm telling? And I can then mm-hmm. reverse engineer the mm-hmm. story we want to tell. And delivering a story is the reason you do choreography. So I think it's almost like they should tell you like why they came to the choreography, but that's then up to our own interpretation. So I think that's what my advice to people to like succeed in their auditions, but the preparation is just to keep testing yourself in different styles. Mm -hmm. For your experiences, prepare yourself for this type of casting. Estimately, how long in a day do you like prepare? I say on the daily, I spend around like to like an hour actively preparing, like I'll be stretching or mm-hmm. uh, do my drills or whatever. And mm-hmm. then an hour kind of like subconsciously, like I'll be like looking at theater, like researching shows coming to Broadway. And like, for me, I just like, I love it. So like, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like work. I don't have to specifically dedicate time to it. Yeah. But I am doing things that specifically help me be prepared for any audition. I'd say like two hours. Awesome. I, I, I would also say that like my whole day is like what I eat for breakfast is, how I go mm-hmm. to the grocery store, like what I choose to wear in case I see someone on the street. Like <laughs> all, everything is kind of like that. That's the thing with acting and performing and being in the entertainment industry is that like, it's not, um, you don't work to create a product and the product is what it is. Like you are the product. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason, like, when you get hired, you can't really change how you look because Mm -hmm. it's not just the art and not how you dance and not how you sing. It's all of you as your creation, like, is part of it. So every single thing you do, every single thing you eat, the way you uh, hold your posture, like, all those things, like, are literally part of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even, like, now with social media, it's, like, literally everything. Like, how you film your day, where you live, like, how people yes. see you, your mm-hmm. audience, like how you are represented to your audience is a huge part of it. So it's like kind of yeah. like a single thing, 24 hours a day. You do have to be like representable, you know, for yourself and also the company and the role that you might be cast yeah. in the future. So you, you know, want to be a role model, right? <laughs> Maybe someone want to come and take a picture with you. You can yeah. be ready. <laughs> or like someone like, I saw you in this show. It's like, oh, like, I have to speak highly of the show or like I have to make sure, you know, sometimes <laughs> some actors like won't um, take a photo in a speedo. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a couple like really famous, like I, I won't say their names because like they're <laughs> famous on TV, but like they have no photos in a speedo on their Instagram mm-hmm. because some of their audiences, like the conservative Midwest, whereas, mm-hmm. um, and they have to worry about that. Whereas I'm like, I, well, maybe if I cared about that, like that would be good for my career, but mm-hmm. I'm more about living authentically. I'd rather be hired as an authentic person and being able mm-hmm. to live my truth um, fully open on honestly, rather than not. Mm-hmm. Speaking of social media, your social media itself is just inspirational as well. Like the story of what you put out in your story, you know, and it's, it's just interesting. And then, how like you encountered like a um, negative like situation and you're still smiling at the end of the day, you know, like, you know, like despite that, you know, like, da, 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 da. and it's, it, it's really nice. Like your, 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 
like Instagram itself is just inspirational to another API gay men like me, you know, and trying to be active, you know. <laughs> You're a traveler. I see you go to a lot of places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm so lucky that I get to do it for work. I always try to plan a vacation somewhere and like uh-huh. I get like so like frozen with all the opportunities of like, well, like where do you go? And so like I'm glad that my work takes me places because, and I love what I do. So then for me, it's kind of like anytime I'm unemployed feels like the work because I'm trying to get hired. And then mm-hmm. anytime I'm working, that feels like a vacation because I get to go to some mm-hmm. different place and I get to do what I love. Wow. Yeah. And so far, um, with all the places you travel so far, which one would be the best? <sighs> you know, <laughs> I... There's there are so many options. I I mean I had a month in Honolulu and that was mm. like amazing. but I really I really really loved. I only had one day here, but I mm. loved Savannah, Georgia. Like very very, it was just gorgeous and all these like all this nature that was like different than what I'm used to. But well, I think that's another good thing that I've gotten to do. I've done a couple national tours and so. I've gone to go to like really big cities, but I've also gone to like really, really small cities that a lot of big tourists don't go to. Mm-hmm. And I really like it all. I like the full range of it. I really like smaller towns and stuff. And I don't know, I've, I've liked a lot of places. I've liked most places I've gone. We hope you enjoyed our episode of our podcast today. Before you go, please make sure to follow us on Instagram, matcha talk underscore podcast don't forget our tiktok account it's matcha talks all right we hope to hear from you soon bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>